I tell you, hear me. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who ill-treat you. If someone strikes you on one cheek, turn to him the other also. If someone takes your cloak, do not stop him from taking your tunic. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies. Do good to them and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you. I'm going to catch up later. Okay, I'm, I'm briefly say on the Luke passage, because the Corinthian passage kind of was so complicated it did my head in. Um, and the Luke passage is so easy, but so radical. So I don't know who your enemies are. I know that when I was small, my enemies were Westmores, because I lived in Ferndown, and Westmores was the next village, and therefore we didn't like anyone from Westmores, because they lived in Westmores. I don't know what the equivalent is for Fair Oak. Bishop Stone. Bishop Stone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna cover and turn over I went to a very posh all-girls private school, mainly because my brothers had gone to the local school and hadn't gone to school hardly at all. Um, so I went to a very posh all-girls private school called Talbot Heath. Um, and our enemies were Wentworth, Milton Mount. And it didn't really matter where we came in any sporting fixture, fixture as long as we beat Wentworth, Milton Mount. And we all have those kind of things from our childhood, don't we? Now, if I was looking at the news, the news would say that my enemy is a 19-year-old girl who was radicalised at 15, so indoctrinated with hate at the age of 15 that she ran away from everything she knew to go to a country that she didn't know to join forces with people who made her feel like she was important and special. The news would say that this girl who was married at 16 has had three babies already by the age of 19 and has lost two of them, that she is my enemy. The news would say that if you voted differently to me, if you're a Brexiteer or a Remainer, 
then you are obviously my enemy. How can I have anything in common with somebody who thinks so differently? And it almost has become a conversation starter, hasn't it? Before I get to know you, what did you vote? Are you a Remainer? Are you a Brexiteer? Are you my friends? Or are you my enemy? And we're seeing that in politics, aren't we? That politicians are choosing Brexit remain over party lines even. And my understanding is even within governments that it's more important where you stand on Europe than it is on anything else. That's who the news would say my enemy is. But if you asked me who's your enemy, I hope I would say, well, I don't think I've got any real enemies. And I hope no one would think that I was their enemy, I hope. And so it's easy to go, well, we can just forget about this passage then, because I don't have any enemies, therefore I don't need to worry about it. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Now I am, I don't know any Greek at all. I always wanted to learn it, but I'm rubbish at languages. Um, but I do like looking at the Greek of sentences that I find don't fit brilliantly with our cultural understanding for now. We don't go around talking about enemies massively, do we? I hope, especially not in the church. So the Greek for enemy is ekthros. Are there any Greek like language scholars here? No, Dave's not here. So I can say it, it confidently, ekthros. Uh, is, um, and it means hated, odious, opposing, or hostile. And the word for hate is mythios, mythios, something like that, which also means hate, detest, love less, or esteem less. So we could interpret that first verse as love those whom you oppose, do good to those who love you less. And suddenly, my scope of who is included in that verse is widened. I might not have any enemies, but there are people who I oppose, who people I don't agree with. And there are people who definitely love me less. I don't know how, because I'm lovely. <laughs> but there are definitely people who really don't get on with me very well. And probably there are people that I love less as well. Love those whom you oppose. Do good to those who love you less. Because what Jesus is saying is live differently. And we lose how radical these verses were. Can you imagine? Love your enemy? Why would I want to love my enemy? You know, the scriptures that the Jews at the time would have read were not, didn't fall in line with this. This was completely different. Love your enemy. Is it, I meant to look. Is it Elijah Bob or Elisha who calls down a mother bear? Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. That's yeah, one of those. One of those. <laughs> some, some kids are calling him names and he calls down a mother bear on them. Do you know what I mean? This was, the, this was the Old Testament kind of what you did with your enemies. And Jesus comes along and says, no. Love your enemy. Do good to those who hate you. Love those who don't love you. One of my um, favourite musicals is Les Miserables. And uh, I loved it before it was a film, can I just say. And I've read the book. So, you know. Um, but if you have, anyone watched the movie? Anybody seen the musical? 
Do good to those who hate you. Well, if I agree with you, if I disagree with you, and I don't like your behaviour, actually, I'm doing good to you by standing and saying, no, enough is enough. And we need to be careful that we don't just take verses out of context and apply them to everything. We have to get the actual, what Jesus is saying in a wide way. Do unto others. Now, if I'm honest, when I read this verse, I always thought it meant like, you know, make them a cup of tea if I'm making a cup of tea, or shut the door on the cupboard because, you know, Ali loves, she likes cupboard doors shut, I don't care. So I try and shut the cupboard door because he likes that. Opening a door when I'm going through it. Do unto others. But actually, if you read this passage, it's much more like, do unto others like the best day ever. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Turn the other cheek. Give your shirt as well as your coat. Give to everybody. It's not like getting a cup of tea in bed. It's like having the most amazing breakfast brought to you in bed and then coming downstairs and finding that someone's bought your whole new outfit and then going to work and finding out that someone's on all the filings. Who likes filing? It's like the best day in the world. That's the kind of day we should be trying to give to other people. When we say do unto others, that kind of do unto others, not just, you know, put the toilet seat down, chaps, when you've been. Do unto others as you would have them do to you. Tom Wright, who I love, said this about these verses. There are two particularly astonishing things about these instructions. First, their simplicity. They are obvious, clear, direct, and memorable. Second, their scarcity. How many people do you know who really live like this? How many communities do you know where these guidelines are rules of life? What's gone wrong? Has God changed? Or have we forgotten who he really is? What would your, live, live, what would your life look like if we lived outrageously generous? I was speaking to a friend of mine the other day, and uh, she trains youth workers. And she had a group of youth workers, and there were a couple that were part of a wider small group. And they were talking about how they decided to take this verse from Matthew and Luke, about um, if someone asks for your shirt, give it to them. They wanted to take it and really live it for a month. So they decided, they started off, and they went, well, the first thing to do is go through all our clothes and give half of our clothes away. I was like, awesome, that sounds brilliant. And then they went for their coats. And then they went for their shoes, and then they went to their books. Started a little bit more painful in my life, to be honest. And then they started talking about, but I've got two cars. I've got two houses. Where does outrageous generosity finish? There's usually a reason you've got two cars, and there's probably a good reason you've got two houses. But sometimes, we kind of give lip service to the stuff that Jesus has asked us to do. And we're lovely, nice people. And I think Jesus wants us to be lovely, nice people. But I think he also wants us to be outrageously generous. To be honest, when she mentioned coats, I got a bit iffy because I really love my coats. I have a lot of different coats. And I was like, oh, but I love my coats. You can have all my clothes. I don't like clothes very much. You can have all my clothes. But coats, I like coats. What is it that makes us go, but it's what Jesus asked us to do. And why? Because in verse 35, right at the end 
of the first passage, I'm not even getting on to the second passage about not judging, even though I'd love to. Um, it says, You will be children of the Most High because he is kind. That was the most, I thought it was me. It's kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Who are the ungrateful and wicked? Well, that's me without Jesus. What would I have been like if I hadn't met Jesus? I'm pretty ungrateful now. And I make some really rubbish decisions. What would I have been like if I hadn't met Jesus? Because everybody I meet out there who doesn't know Jesus are where I would have been if he hadn't reached out his hand. And all we're doing, isn't it, is we're being his hand and feet. We're trying to act like he would be if he was here. We want to love everyone, live differently, and give outrageously. We've been talking a lot about the front line, haven't we, over the last few weeks, and that was quite a challenge. Where's my front line? And if we're looking at how we talk to people about Jesus, I can promise you, if we're outrageously giving, and we're loving and living differently, we are going to attract people just like he did. I know they came to see the healings and the miracles, but they stayed because he lived every word that he said. So my challenge for us as a church is to think, what will tomorrow look like if I lived a life that gave outrageously? Amen. <laughs>